0: I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God as real too. That's right. We want to
1: try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day and how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So I have a, it's a breakfast related game for us to play.
0: That's exciting. <laughs> I love games.
1: Uh, have you watched the show Grand Crew yet? I've not. I, it's a pretty good time. Uh, it's basically like one of those shows where there's like six or seven people who are best friends. Uh, and they hang out and recap their day together.
0: Is it sitcom or? <laughs> Yeah, it is
1: mm-hmm. but it's it's actually good. It's like a network sitcom that I think is a good time. It's Grand what? Grand Crew. Okay. Uh, which I think is a, a vineyard term because they use it sometimes to talk. Cause they, they are always sitting around drinking wine. Mm. And I think, so it's a biblical, story, biblical sitcom. Oh, just I got cool. it, got it's it. Not. it, yes. But they, so, you know, because they're always sitting around talking, sometimes they have funny things they do while they're sitting around talking. And the other day in their episode, they had a show where they they played this game where they tried to come up with what their indie band name would, would be. Okay. Now, who do you think, what do you think of like, tell us who an indie band name is. I think of like Death Cab for Cutie, right? Yeah. Like these names that are kind of nonsense yeah. uh-huh. where they don't really mean Anything? Yes. Um, or like, even in the '90s, there was like Toad the Wet Sprocket.
0: Uh, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> like it's these names that are supposed to just
1: sound like throw you off guard, right? Mm-hmm. You can't pin us down, mm-hmm. right? Any Grand four names.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> we cannot <laughs> <that's> be defined. <laughs> the to make idea sense of this.
1: So on Grand Crew, they had this fun game where it was like your indie band name <laughs> is made by combining your grandmother's name
0: uh-huh. plus what you had for breakfast. I love that <laughs> okay so so what would yours be um if i have to pick between my grandma's and then uh okay so uh cc waffles <laughs> cc <Cece> waffles <laughs> that's pretty good See? it is it, i think it works Cece if waffles. you saw cc
1: waffles on spotify you'd be like oh this must be a very independent yeah, band
0: it would be very independent very moody mixes <laughs> that's right lots of because um, they have
1: really creative songwriting lots of
0: synthesizing mm-hmm. yeah
1: Mine would be uh Bernadine's Shamrock Donut
0: <laughs> I feel like yours, <laughs> yours fits even better in the indie indie world yeah. I think I've heard I think I've heard them play <laughs> heard yeah. some of their songs you don't want to see
1: Bernadine Shamrock Donut at like an arena, right? That's mm-hmm. the kind of band you need to see in a small club. Mm. You need intimacy yes, you really
0: take. It's yes. <laughs> one of my favorite concerts was Rainbow Kitten Surprise. <laughs> no kidding, they're great. <laughs>
1: Tune in. Uh, one of my favorite it's so funny because once you realize it you're like oh, oh. you can't escape it it's really yeah. the thing there's a I don't know if they're still making music but one of my favorite bands when I was in college it was jump little children <laughs> and it was like it's a, and they used to do like they would have people like do coloring pages during the show oh my gosh because yeah. like you know they had to be
0: different yeah, have, have their thing right so we're not like the other bands <laughs> catch cc
1: waffles and Bernadine shamrock donut <laughs> somewhere near you uh <gasps> at a garage near you uh, so all right so that's a fun game everybody can play at home yes get some of your friends
0: send us your names yes yeah, <laughs> send us your names remember
1: pick any grandma i could have gone with dorothy dorothy yep. shamrock Donut. i have a mimi
0: it's a tough call mimi yeah. waffles that's good too <laughs> my yeah. goodness
1: mimi and Cece, you got a lot of mm-hmm. you got you're like the winins. and
0: poppy and dops <laughs> They didn't we didn't get into grandpa's Dobbs would be fun. <laughs> the
1: Dobbs were poppy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, got a lot of classic grandparent names there. Yes. All right. So speaking of putting two things together that don't fit. Exactly. Uh, that's actually what both of these stories that we're going to look at. It's Jesus kind of holding up two things next to each other and playing them against each other a little bit. So we're in Luke 16. Uh, The first story that we wanted to kind of play with or just like work through is a story Jesus tells, right? Luke is a combination of stories that Jesus lives and some that he tells. So we've seen both along the way. Uh, This is one that he tells. And it's kind of a story that you could be tempted to use it to like understand heaven and hell better, right? Like to, to think that Jesus is giving us some glimpse behind the curtain of what eternity is like. Cause he tells the story about uh, a rich man and a poor man, the poor man, we get his name. His name is Lazarus, not to be confused with Jesus. It's kind of funny that Jesus uses his friend's name for the story.
0: Mm -hmm. I know it's confusing. I (laughs) did. Yeah. Reacclimate.
1: It's the other Lazarus. So, uh, these two different people and one person has wealth in this world, and that, that person ends up in torture or in torment in the story that Jesus tells. And then the poor man ends up with Abraham in eternal glory or in heaven, right? And Jesus kind of, the, he tells the story because the rich man now wants somebody to go back and tell his family that if they don't believe in God and that they don't do the right things, that they're going to be in torture like him. And do you remember the ending of that? Jesus kind of says, like, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, because they, if they haven't listened to who I've who who is on earth right now, they're not going to get the story. They have everything at their disposal already. Yeah, so. and I
1: think it's tempting to, like, we want to make a lot out of it, you know, that this is... That there is this idea of eternal torture, that that's mm-hmm. what it's like, or that you are going to be hanging out with Abraham. Like we want it to be more specific. I don't know what Jesus stories, if that always is exactly what he's getting at. Because whenever people ask him specific questions about the afterlife, he always says, ah, I can't really tell you anything, mm. you know, because you won't get it. Right. But I think we're so hungry for that, that any glimpse we have.
0: We take food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We blow it up. Face
0: value. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And cause he says in the end, like, this is really about this thing we've seen a lot in Luke, uh, which you could call the great reversal, right? Which is this idea that everybody who has everything they need here, it is harder for them to understand eternal things and that they're going to have a hard time, like being in the presence of God here and forever. Um, but also what you're saying, right? Is, is if they haven't listened yet, there's a good chance they're still not going to listen. Um, I always think about Frederick Buechner has this line where he talks about how, like if God sky wrote, I'm real, that you would have faith for a while, for a little bit. But even if you saw God like sky, write, And you had confirmation of an existence of a God that you would still probably end up doubting eventually. Mm. Like you would second guess. Did I really see what I thought I saw.
0: The, yeah. You try to make sense of it in a way that is yeah rooted in what you already knew before that happened.
1: Yeah. It also reminds me, I think we talked about this before. I don't know if we talked about the, the book, the great divorce. Did yes, see? we did. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And he, he kind of does like what Jesus does, right? Where he tells a story about eternity and about people who in their post death existence, he kind of just imagines they have one more chance. And he does a lot of like fun, like speculation about what the afterlife is like. I remember this one section where he talks about the grass being so different, which is always so that's a fun thing to me to think about when I think that heaven is just hanging out on clouds or, you know, organ music or whatever. He's like, no, everything you know would just be beyond what you can imagine even something simple like grass there's
0: grass there but you don't you want to get it it's
1: like spongy or something is the Uh, way he describes it like that even a few weeks ago when we had like the sleety the sleet and the frost and it made the grass weird I I, every time I went outside I thought of of C.S. Lewis's book but in that book he talks about how the things that keep people from God in their life are still operative so if pride gets in their way here there's nothing that's going to Just overcome that. Even after you've seen extraordinary things and even after you've known death, you might still have pride as an obstacle. Um, And so I I think that's a little bit of what Jesus is getting at here, right? And you're more prone, if you are a poor person, or if you are a person who doesn't have every single thing you need taken care of, you're more apt towards believing wild things, right? Or believing things that are hard to see. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. When you hear these stories, any any inclinations to breakfast?
0: To breakfast
1: was the rich man. Do you picture anything for him?
0: Um, let me think. The rich man is um, having breakfast regret. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he ate the thing and had re- and wished he ate something else. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I think in. In this life, he would be the guy who orders like five things at Starbucks just because he can, mm-hmm. you know.
0: And then there's somebody behind him who can't. Right. Who forgot their wallet or something and he's not he's worried about it because he's got bad. his five things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He can't even be generous in this life. Right. Um, and I think that's a little bit of what you're just trying to get at here is that there, there is this reversal. But also not just the reversal, but what does that make of us? Right. If everything falls into our lap, if we have our choice of 70 breakfasts every day, it, it makes you you're not a, quite a searcher in that situation. Uh, so this other story is one of my my favorites. This is in Luke 18. We're skipping a little bit because there's a lot of times where Jesus just uh, there's some collections in Luke of just Jesus' sayings. Uh, But this is one of my favorite stories he tells. And again, this is, maybe this is based on a real thing that happened. Maybe he did overhear something like this, but he frames it as just another story he's telling. He says, imagine that a Pharisee who we kind of know they're like the super, we think of them as, as almost all hypocrites, but it starts out as a good notion, right? They're, they're very faithful people. They're trying very hard to keep the law. So imagine that a person who's trying to be extra faithful and sometimes goes overboard, goes up to the temple to pray. And beside him is a tax collector who, what do you know about tax collectors in the Bible? Have we talked about them before?
0: Yeah, tax collectors have surfaced. They, I feel like they're kind of synonymous with being sleazy since yes. there's some <laughs> scraping off the top of um, money that already is being taken from people who might not uh, have the means. So,
1: Yeah, sleazy is right. I think they're trying to get the free breakfast. Yeah. You know, like they maybe pay attention to where there's free breakfast and they just shove their pockets full of extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what they do with people's taxes, right? They, they take some off the top for themselves. And so most of them are very wealthy, but they're also, they just walk around in shame because of that too. And so in this story, a Pharisee and a tax collector go up to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee says, uh, dear God, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy over there mm-hmm. pointing at the tax collector. And the tax collector says, uh, God have mercy on me like just a simple prayer and seems to have a moment of clarity. Um, So, I guess my, I, have you ever have found yourself in one of those moments where you were the, where you had some Pharisee tendency in you, have you ever stood next to somebody and been like, Oh God, I'm, today, I'm so glad I'm not that person. Yeah.
0: Today and yesterday the day. Yeah. It, it's, it is a struggle yeah. to um, do that. Uh, one of the examples that I can think of is uh, like, if I'm at a restaurant and there's a group of super loud talkers. Oh yeah. Being loud and, and being a really obnoxious. Thank God I'm not like that group. Yes. Disrupting everybody.
1: Yeah. I, um, uh, so at my apartment where I live, there's this gate that is like a shortcut to all the shopping and restaurant areas. And you, to get through the gate, you have to live in that community, but I'll sit on my porch and watch people who are trying to take a shortcut mm. and they'll pull up and then they'll realize they don't have a card and then they'll have to turn around. And I don't know why, but it is so satisfying to me <laughs> to but watch them, them get turned away. To, to I'm like, It feels like such a, like a simple form of justice. And I do, I feel like a self-righteousness. Like Mm. you thought you could take a short way around. You can't. Yeah, you can't. And of course, but of course, if that was me, I'd be like, oh, come on. (laughs) Like, why can't I just go through this gate and just
0: targets right there? Right. And I'm sure something similar might happen to you the next day. Yes. But in that instance, you get to be. Yeah. Yeah. The Pharisee.
1: And I think we see this in so many of Jesus's teachings is that a lot of times the things that we're pharisaical about, I remember hearing that oftentimes we're most judgmental about the things that we have already fought through. Oh, yeah. And so maybe it's something that we have been able to overcome and we end up more self-righteous about our struggles because we think, well, I've overcome that.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or even like the insecurity of have I overcome that? Because when I was trying to think of examples initially, I was like, oh, I hate it when people tell stories for too long or if yeah. they don't listen. And then I realized that those are things that I don't feel comfortable saying on a podcast in case my friends are like, that sounds like you, <laughs> Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want somebody to hold that mirror
1: back up to uh-huh. you and be like, tell me again. Uh-huh. uh I, I honestly think one of my deeper answers is like, I can be judgmental about uh, like spiritual teachers. Mm who have the nerve to have podcasts,
0: uh, you know, or okay. like, like listen who to write me. books <laughs> or
1: who like tweet as if they have authority, you know, like anybody who pretends like I know better than you what God wants, which I think is the thing I just, in the, in the roles I play, I'm like, what sort of my life role, but it's also, there's a way that I want to go about it
0: yeah. So you're wrestling with what that yeah, looks that's,
1: like. That's not super prideful. And I think that's what's so simple about the the tax collector's posture um, is that he just pleads for mercy, right? That his focus is on God as a merciful giver. Um, and I think in that moment, of, I think it's particularly because it's prayer that prayer is supposed to be a moment of clarity for us. And so it's, you know, we can all kind of be guilty of posturing <laughs> mm-hmm. and of, of, of like, competition and, like, kind of self, like, image management stuff, I think. But in prayer, per- particularly, if we're not willing to say, here's where I've got it wrong. In prayer, particularly, I think that we're supposed to have humility, right? And that's where, where it just kind of gets to uh, in telling this story um, is like that humility, right. Of not lifting ourselves up, which he tries to tell in so many other stories, uh, that if you want to be humbled, you have to humble yourself, right. That you want to be lifted up. You have to humble yourself.
0: And is, um, prayer a particular moment where that is important because of the vulnerability and the, um, yeah, I guess the vulnerability in that conversation, it's just you and God. Yeah, I think
1: so. I think it's like, uh, if there's anywhere you should be honest it should especially be in prayer right because mm-hmm. maybe with other people you could posture and pretend like you don't struggle but especially with God you have to oh, you can't yeah, yeah it's a, that's a, what a it's silly game a to play you know and so I think the hope is that if you're humble in prayer then you get some practice at that and so it does come out more often in your interactions with other people too Um, so I think this is a big lesson for us to wake up and there's even, uh, there was even a whole movement of people called the, I think they're called the Hezacast. It's one of those words where I've read it a bunch, but I've never said it out loud. And it sounds like you
0: nailed it. Yeah. You could
1: just, yeah. Just give me that (laughs) affirmation. Yeah. And uh, their whole movement was about trying to say this prayer like all day. Like they would go through their whole day trying to say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And there's even uh, J.D. Salinger has a novel where the character Zoe, Franny and Zoe. Have you mm-hmm. ever had to read that Mm-mm. or chosen to read it? It's a no, good one. No, I haven't. I have had it. I have too. It's a good one. Um, but one of the characters tries to do this and ends up passing out because she <laughs> she's trying so hard to focus on this one sentence that uh-huh. she kind of. But it is a. If you're reaching for a phrase, just God have mercy is a is a pretty good phrase to have in your in your mind. And I think it's a centering thing, right? Cause it's a, it is an honest, that honest look in the mirror. Um, so maybe that's a way to, to start, start our day, uh, or to go to bed at night, right? That first last thought mm-hmm. that might be a good place to start with that. Have mercy on me or both. Yeah. The clarity,
0: but not all day long. Cause apparently I know, cause you'll pass, pass out. out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think in those moments, you know, what if when you get into like a fight with somebody, Instead of thinking of all the ways you're better, you recognize. Uh, A thing I try to say in traffic, it doesn't always work, but I try to say, you are also important. Like where you're going also matters, right? Mm. There's something about having in your mind these phrases that kind of remind us of what is good and true. And I think have mercy on us is a pretty good, uh, good to keep in our pockets. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Uh, hopefully that will, um, everybody will be going out, uh, figuring out what their indie band name is and also holding themselves up and figuring out who they're better than other people. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Breakfast Translation.